the New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Guerrilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT. So right now I am with Richard Hay. Welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast, Richard. Thank you very much, Paul. Now maybe you can give uh, listeners just a, a quick intro on uh, on where you fit into this world of tech media. I, um, I, I've been running a website for 20 years called windowsobserver.com. Just a personal thing I built and kind of slowly got involved in Microsoft technology. I served in the Navy for 30 years and I did information systems and communications in there. So, I, you know, I loved it and I, I enjoyed doing that. Uh, I've been retired now for five years, but uh, I got not really in, retired. Well, not really, no, Just because I now I, I work from home. I write yeah. for Penton Technology, which is the the owners of SuperSite for Windows, Windows IT Pro, and several other tech sites. And I get an opportunity to to keep an eye on Microsoft. I'm a big Microsoft fan. I use I'm in their ecosystem knee deep and over my head. And uh, I just enjoy being able to watch the technology advancements, see how technology has changed. I mean, just in my 30 years in the Navy to watch us go from mechanical teletype machines to computer-based communications, uh, it's just amazing. And we're making those leaps and bounds now, you know, with the kind of stuff we're hearing this week at Ignite and the changes Microsoft's working on. But I'm also a very prolific social media guy. I'm on Twitter at WinOBS. So uh, if anybody's interested in connecting with me, that is the place to really hook up with me at. Excellent. Well, that's great. Well, you know, I keep seeing you at these Microsoft uh, Microsoft events, uh, you know, amongst the media. So, you know, I thought it'd be great to uh, grab you for a few minutes and 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 just uh, you know hear some of your uh, perspectives on the, some of the announcements that have been going on here and 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 what's been happening at Ignite. I uh, thought first up, I mean, this is very much a a conference that's focused on your technical people, your IT pros, right. you could call them. But really, there are always announcements that are of, that have quite broad interest, and some of the announcements that have come in uh, would certainly be of interest just to you know everyday users of technology, right? You know, personally, can, you know, from a consumer perspective rather than just a business perspective, what are the things that have stood out for you from that consumer side? Uh, well, w- one thing I want to say to start is that Microsoft does not develop for enterprise or consumer in a vacuum. There's a lot of the technologies that cross that path. We're seeing it this week, one one specific announcement, which I think is exciting a lot of people, and that's OneDrive for Business and the new Sync client that's in preview now. Mm. Uh, they have brought a lot of the consumer-level features. This is consumer-driving enterprise. Yeah. They brought those consumer features into the new Sync client that's in preview and also added, for instance, SharePoint Sync. You know, Now the SharePoint users can get their files stored locally. So that things that they're advancing with the Edge browsers, the security of Windows 10, you know, Windows 10, they, they say it. I think they've said it with every version of Windows, but it's the most secure OS out there. So they announced that new Windows uh, Defender Application Guard program. Yeah, that's quite an interesting one. Should we just run through that one? So they're launching it as Windows Defender Application Guard for Microsoft Edge. Now, when we were chatting before, you made the you made the comment, ah, oh, they should make this available right. to everyone. Oh, yeah. It does seem like a feature that would be you know very relevant just to every computer user out there yep. uh, it's going to start in terms of its availability being for those that are on uh, the enterprise, enterprise version right. of Windows uh, I don't think it's going to be generally available until uh, until next year but it will uh, will become available um, in the next little while for those on the Windows Insider program right? 
Um, do you want to run through what what that will actually do? Yeah, what Windows device Windows I want to say Windows device for some reason, but <laughs> Windows Defender Application Guard is a it's a feature that uses hardware virtualization. So one thing is you got to have the hardware that supports virtualization. Uh, many consumers buying new machines will have that. A lot of enterprise companies who are investing in new hardware will have that capability. And what Windows Defender Application Guard will do is that when somebody clicks on a link in an email, somebody clicks on a link in a web page, and it is a threat of some kind that my, that the system has identified, whether that be through the smart screen filter or Windows Defender, it will open it up in a browser window, but it will open it up in a protected environment. So it, the code that's in that web browser window, <clears throat> excuse me, can't get out of that box. It can't get to the machine. It can't get on other machines. It can't get on other devices. And so it basically stops it in its tracks. But for the user, there's no bells and whistles going off. They get their browsing session. It's protected. And then when they're done and they close that window, gone. Everything's off the machine. There's yeah. no residue yeah. left behind to, to be possibly reactivated or reaccessed later. And I guess it's you know those sort of zero-day type cybersecurity flaws that we see where... Yeah, Microsoft doesn't know this particular issue exists, Correct. so that's when these things sort of get in and, and potentially take over a whole machine. So by separating that off, you know, in a virtually a separate computer, you really increase your uh, your protection, don't you? So um, yeah, yep. I mean, I'm I'm really curious to see. I would what love the to see that come to consumers. It, it sounds like uh, Edge is just the first application right. to have it. There's been some varying discussion in some of the coverage, some of my discussions in terms of whether or how broad it will be available. Edge is just the start. Right. And I guess Microsoft are using that. They want to encourage organisations to be using Edge. Look, you know, saying that it'll be the uh, most um, secure browser. Se- yeah, the yeah. most secure browser. But there's certainly talk that it could come to any application Correct. in the in the future. I would say there could be some some challenges around how you would do that if you're in a in a separate virtual machine with being able to talk to the other parts of of Windows. But certainly uh, from a browser perspective, it would be great to see it across other browsers and great to see it more broadly available. But we'll wait and see. It's good to see innovation anyway coming Correct. from Microsoft. Oh, I, I love it because front. security is the issue. And, you know, just read the news every week and see about the breaches. Some of those breaches are happening because somebody was able to get a file into a, into a network that should never been there. And when those breaches open up, that costs a lot of money. So investing in the hardware, investing in the, you know, getting people to use Edge pays dividends down the road. Mm. Now, we also heard at the, uh, the keynotes around the number of people running uh, running Windows 10. That seems to be ticking along for Microsoft up to uh, 400 million. What's what's your take on uh, on that number? They, I mean, they set this you know, very lofty goal of, of hitting uh, uh, one billion. It seems like it now a billion billion uh, a billion yeah. users within what two It two was to, 2 years two, at the time from the initial launch. Yeah, and they've sort of bumped that out to say, you know, 2 to 3 years. Right. And and I think at this point they're kind of like, we'll get there. Our yeah. goal is to get there kind of thing and no longer a time frame with it. No, the 400 million is a good number. The last time we'd heard from Microsoft on momentum of Windows 10 was in late June, 1 month before the free upgrade offer, the year-long free upgrade offer expired. At that point, we were at 350 million. So here on the 26th of September at the beginning of Ignite, they said 400 million. So 50 million more users over that about, uh, I guess, 11-week period. Now, one thing to keep in mind, though, and, and I think the next number we hear about momentum for Windows 10 is going to be very different. 
this 400 million, the num- I, I track daily installs, the average number of daily installs. And prior to 29 June, there was 909,000 average daily installs of Windows 10. However, with this new number, that has dropped down to 562,000, about a 40% drop. Part of this period of time that they gave us these numbers on was in after the free upgrade was gone. And it also included a month's worth of time before the free upgrade expired. Right. So there I imagine people, a lot of people installing it. People last were minute. last minute installs. So I think that might have driven that number up a little bit. Mm. So that next time they tell us something, and their average is about every three months or so when the numbers aren't great, they give us a new number. That will be interesting to see because now at this point moving forward, the, the numbers only change now as corporations and businesses migrate to Windows 10 because consumers are only going to get there by buying a new piece of hardware. And these days, Consumers don't buy new hardware every few weeks. Yep, yep. Um, now, ch- a bunch of changes in uh, OneDrive, as you mentioned. Uh, some of that very much focused um, on on bringing sort of business capabilities up to um, up to a, you know a, a better place from what they uh, what they were. Uh, particularly that uh, SharePoint uh, offline uh, sync capability that I know a lot of businesses been look at, looking out for in terms of the future. That now becomes available on preview and will be, you know, broadly available to uh, to business users uh, yeah, sometime around the end end of the year. So that's going to be interesting to uh, to, to have a look at. Um, and they've they've brought in this uh, file preview within the browser as well for a a, a bunch of different uh, file types. Um, Including some of the Adobe products, and uh, they announced a, also a, um, a huge close partnership, partnership with, with, with Adobe, Adobe yeah. this week. No kidding, and that you know that was the big surprise of the morning keynote. I think, I, I think we had a fairly good idea of what was coming: Windows Server 2016, System Center 2016, and things like that. And of course, you're always going to hear about improvements to Office 365 and the offerings there. But that partnership with Adobe, Adobe is a huge cloud user uh, for all their services, their customer relations, their their Photoshop you know the the creativity part that's a very large community of creatives and everybody kind of ties creatives with apple and you know those are products that are used on those different platforms so you're not just talking about windows users either Uh, and to see they're on aws right now they use a lot of amazon web services for their back end but and we don't know quite yet how they're going to make the move how much they'll move are they moving lock stock and barrel i read something today that they might not be moving every this might be a a little bit of both thing that they're doing, not yeah, just I, I AWS, not just OneDrive, or a really big organization like that to change from one. Uh, Can one you imagine provider, moving that amount of data? One, one provider doing to that another, transition. But, uh, it does seem as though there's there's real cozying up between uh, between Microsoft and Adobe, and you know my pick is uh, this will this will be you know, valuable for uh, for both of them. Oh, absolutely! Uh, you know they're both very very big uh, very big players and. With uh, you know Microsoft being being so embedded in uh, in so many businesses, Adobe being so popular uh, within that creative world, uh, I can see some nice synergies there coming coming over time. Um, now, looking back at uh, at OneDrive, yeah, they're uh, they're going to allow uh, or just make it possible. You click on files and get immediate previews for Photoshop, Adobe Photoshop, Adobe Illustrator. Uh, a whole lot of photo sort of image types like raw images, which are right, really high right. definition photos and, and you know maximum file sizes and and so on coming through raw from uh, from cameras. 
Uh, EPS files, that's that's quite an interesting one. Encapsulated PostScript files, I haven't seen anything that's been able to preview those files on uh, on Windows. They're not so common these days, but just having that, that built in, I think Visio's in there as well. Yep, email, the, even email files, now email files, so .email files that are produced out of an email client right, can now be viewable in um, the browser. What, what impressed me about the OneDrive for Business presentation I sat in on yesterday is the amount of tools that are available just through the browser. You know, that's the portal to everything mm, from mm. administrative level controls that IT pros can use to help manage what people can and can't do in these OneDrive clients, yep. as well as what they can share and not share and how long it can be shared. The the it, It's almost become, there's this blur happening between apps, programs, and the web view of things that it, the experience is almost the same across all of them. And at some point, I don't think the focus is going to be on the app or the how. It's just going to be I'm accessing X. I'm accessing OneDrive. I'm accessing Office 365, my email. They have really gone with this mobility of the service, uh, of the experience that they've talked about over the last year, year and a half, two years with Satya Nadella to really, that's the goal. I want your experience to be the same whether you're on a a small four-inch device or you're on a great big 83-inch Surface Hub. Now... Talking of the Surface Hub, have you uh, have you had a little bit of a play with? Uh, <laughs> I have with that those things. I, I put it on my Christmas list through Twitter the other day. They had got an eighty-three inch one down in the showcase down yeah. in the expo show floor, yeah. and I took a picture of it and shared it on Twitter and told everybody this is what I want for Christmas. So <laughs> make your list and make it fast. It's a beautiful device, and we saw some of the in the demo Monday morning by Yusuf Mehdi who showed how easy it is to to connect a meeting. I mean, can you? I mean, those are very significant investments. I, I want to say that that eighty-three inch one is is that the twenty. Thousand or yeah, a little bit more twenty two thousand US, uh, you know, figures US so it's dollars, a, US it's, dollars. You know, it's, a, it's a big in, big investment, but massive. Uh, it's the sort of the sort of thing that uh, you know bigger organisations will will probably be able oh, I to agree. Uh, you know justify if it's getting if it's getting constant use delivers a capability. Uh, that they don't have today, then you know I think you know people are going to go out and buy these. Uh, not necessarily all at that that largest right. size. Right, the, they uh, do the do smaller ones. Yeah, the fifty-five uh, inches is a nice size. Is, is much more. Uh, uh, affordable. Imagine you're a global company. You're in New Zealand, and you and you're a company that needs to deal with people in the U.S. or other parts of the country. And you're kind of where you're at. It requires a long flight. It requires travel, hotels, all kinds of expense. You could very quickly tally up enough money to buy you a Surface Hub. And it's got the video teleconferencing aspect to it. It's got the shareability so you can share everything. You can share your experience across both ends. I mean, it really, it's one of those investment up front that hits your pocketbook pretty good, but you're very quickly going to recoup that by saving yourself a couple trips, two or three trips a year even. Yeah, and and I think that's where um, you know smaller organisations right. will, will be looking at it too. You know, you know, size doesn't matter as long as you're going to get that benefit, right? Correct. So, um, I you know, I think that's going to be uh, interesting just to see how the uptake goes with that. But it seems, you know, when I first saw, well, they know, sold out, right? They sold the out their first run. Yeah, I of thought, building wow, them. How many people are going to be interested? But uh, but it does look good. So. Uh, now, Microsoft, uh, I guess, sort of had their their uh, focus uh, split. Now, looking at, I guess, more from a business perspective, discussions were around security, cloud, artificial intelligence. Right. What were the things that particularly sort of jumped out as you for you as being in- interesting? 
um, across those. I guess security side is the uh, some of their further work on advanced uh, threat analytics. Right. Now, these are premium offerings. That's so, right. Office you know, 365 are, are subscriptions. A little, little bit, uh, you know, well, they're paying it at the the top or higher level than uh, than what they might be using today, but right. this is going to draw a few people up to uh, to those investments, isn't it? No, if companies are interested in security, the advanced threat analytics, right. right, you got to be these days. We said it a little bit ago. If you're watching the, the breaches that are happening, you've got to make security a priority. You know, think back to when Bill Gates did that. Mm. You know, he wrote that memo and said, we have to incorporate security into every aspect of our products, into the planning process for our products. Yes. And yeah. Look where they're at today. Yeah, you know yeah. they're producing. Windows used to be known for its breachability. Yeah. Now it's a much more as Windows 10. It's a much more secure OS. So I think they have done that and they continue to do that. And now with this, the stuff that they've created with machine learning, big data, this new artificial intelligence stuff they're working on, mm. um, they have really brought around this ability to. I think we used to call it heuristics, right? Mm-hmm. The the ability to recognize an attack that maybe was unknown. Certain behaviors indicate mm-hmm. that it's an attack. And they've done that with the advanced threat analytics stuff that they're doing. Windows Defender Application Guard is a piece mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Windows Defender, which we use on consumer and business devices, has that ability and learning behind it, the intelligence platform. Mm-hmm. And... That so security for me is awesome, but they all, all really kind of tie, don't they? Intelligence, yeah. cloud, and security. Yeah, well, they're all drawing on each other, aren't they? And um, yeah, the, the the two bits that stood out for me around um, advanced threat analytics were a feature that I heard somebody calling remote detonation, remote URL detonation. You, yeah. yeah, and uh, you know, basically looking at links that were in, say, an email, for instance. Right. And actually going away, and rather than just leaving the link in the email, able to be going away, open that up sort of behind the scenes, separate from your computer, in a, in a safe environment, and then check what happens. Does it go to a page that has malware right. that if you had opened it on your computer would, would Might have caused an infection. You? And basically doing this uh, this behind the scenes, I think it's happening in the, in the cloud, and no doubt there's a bunch of artificial intelligence in there kind of, you know, figuring out what's going on uh, but that sounds very smart and also doing something um, with attachments and being able to same also, process you know do something somewhat similar with uh, with attachments and check out that they're uh, that they're okay that they're not going to be sort of spreading malware and so right. on onto your uh, computer and they, I mean those are really two of the the biggest targets in terms of the way that malware gets into Correct. organizations today. So if they can cater to that and have a have a high success rate, um, yep. I think this is going to be something that's going to be pretty popular. Right. right. And oh, by the way, it all happens in the background. The user's unaware of it even happening. And it happens at such a fast pace that it's not impacting their user experience. Yeah. And they said uh, if you have got an attachment that's still being scanned when you go to open it, I think what you get is you will get you know a text file where the attachment would be. It'll tell you it's currently being scanned. Then that will refresh right. as as the scan's completed. So if you right. were you know super quick off the mark, um, so that they seem to be handling these things well. Oh, I think so, nice. and, and yeah. the power's behind it. So we're very quickly getting to the point with all this speed and stuff in the cloud that our connection to the cloud is going to become a bottleneck. Yeah, it's yeah. going to slow down those processes to get the data to us. But it's not, great to see the proactive. Not in New Zealand, Richard. We're very fast into. Are you? 
in some places. So there'll be there'll be a whole bunch of people listening and okay. shaking their fists. Or, I haven't got the fast internet. Um, I'm about to flick over to uh, to gigabit at, uh, okay. at at home, and uh, we'll we'll see the same at the office. Uh, so from from first of October in 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 New Zealand, our uh, government initiated and and you know partially funded ultra fast broadband initiative is seeing some some nice improvement from the providers Good. where basically will everyone that has that fiber connection which is, is going to reach at least 80 percent of the population wow will, will be getting uh, uh, the option of choosing gigabit uh, gigabit speeds that's pretty is, amazing uh, it's quite nice here in the u.s we don't you know fiber is very limited it's it, we're on copper wire more than anything yes. and, but we're lucky to get the the speeds from as well over that but yeah. that's terrific yeah um okay so security Artificial intelligence, was there anything that you were impressed with? There seemed to be all sorts of demonstrations and, and so on. Anything that you know really got you, got you excited? Two things occurred to me on this. First off is how they presented the two keynotes on Monday. They had, two, they had the AM keynote. Scott Guthrie was out there talking about all the announcements. Mm. We heard, saw Satya once. He came out with the Adobe CEO to talk about that partnership. Yep, and then Satya CEO, was Adobe gone. CEO, the big boys. Right. And so we didn't see Satya again until the afternoon innovation keynote. And what I thought was awesome about, and, and it, Satya Nadella just strikes me as this kind of leader. He's that vision guy. He lays out the vision and then everybody works towards that vision. And and I, I just thought it was interesting that his appearance in the morning keynote, which typically you see him quite a bit in these keynotes, sure. it was very minimal. And yeah. then his focus was on the future. And to hear some of the technology, the stuff they're doing with artificial intelligence bots, their, uh, the Cortana intelligence platform. Uh, I, for me as an American and American football fan, Deion Sanders coming out on stage, I thought was just awesome because I'm a, I've been a fan of teams he's played on, yeah, but cool. especially the Dallas Cowboys. But you know, Satya really focused on where we're going forward. And then we hear him talk about this new AI supercomputer that they have built as part of their Azure network that's out there now. It's already there. Where in some users, for instance, I think they said Bing. When you hit Bing for a search, you're actually using some of that technology. But to really put it in perspective, the speeds we're talking about with this artificial intelligence thing yes. is the, the, the example they used was a quarter mile stack of documents from Wikipedia in English. Yes. Sheets of paper. So I don't even know how many sheets of paper that is. But they translated that stack of paper a quarter mile high in one-tenth of a second using this capability. Basically one X-flop, it's called. So just massive amounts of computing ability. And it took one-tenth of a second. It takes us two-tenths of a second to blink. I mean, that's just unreal speed. And I think that's the next that and Satya Nadella calls it democratizing AI. And I think that's kind of where they're moving forward. We're, we're starting to see a shift from the mobile first cloud first, that type of stuff and moving into this this future where this artificial intelligence, whether it be through a bot or through a service that helps protect our security mm-hmm. is going to be the platform of the future. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty in- interested to see. Uh, you know how quickly this will get accessible. Where we will see right. uh, yeah. artificial intelligence and machine learning really come into play, but the, yeah, the cloud is is a, is a huge enabler for it because of the you know access to there's large amounts of information right. that be- become uh, you know critical to make uh, the artificial intelligence you know actually actually somewhat intelligent. Right. Well, they pointed out one thing that's already out there. So if you go to support.microsoft.com, your initial interaction with support online through the web 
is through a bot, mm. a customer mm. service mm. bot that is using this these Cortana intelligence and all these other capabilities, machine learning, big data to help you work through your initial steps of identifying what the problem is. Can we solve it here? Can I give you a link? Mm. Can I tell you to go download this thing? And if the bot hits the wall, then it gets handed over to a customer service rep, real person. Yeah. But some people they announced that this has been happening but i don't think people even realized they were dealing with a bot yeah in order yeah. to get that customer service yeah, i mean yeah. that's when it be when the, again it's back to that it invisibility when the tech becomes invisible yeah that's when the real stuff happens i think yep yep um now Sacha also talked about uh fpga field programmable gate arrays now this is getting getting a bit geeky here. <laughs> um, but what he was saying is within their cloud, they have this technology, which is, a, you know, effectively like a, um, yeah, the typical brains of a computer, but it's it's programmable and can be adjusted. And, and that's how they, they achieve those incredible, That's correct, uh, yeah. You know, speeds with translating that massive amount of Wikipedia data because you know it's a little bit like uh you know for gaming people have their their gpu their graphics processing that can unit, do some they, of the processing yep. it's incredible you know 3d graphics performance right and, you know there's no way you would get it without that graphics programmer without the graphics uh, gpu and now with fpgas being actually incorporated into microsoft's cloud systems um they're going to be able to deliver that that type of performance for all sorts of other right. other things. So, I mean, I had no idea that they had uh, they had not the, a clue. these out there. I don't really understand the ins and outs of of the technology. It, and, I think in layman, how they're able to you know tweak it. But, right, um, it looks pretty cool. I guess if I had to translate it to a layman term, people think of quad core CPUs and and things like that in their devices. Imagine not just having one CPU with four cores, but having four CPUs with four cores in it. And But we're talking a much more exponentially large number of capabilities with these FPGA cards. Mm. And they're, they're like insert cards. They're kind of like an extra card you stick in your computer. And that's what they are in their data center servers and stuff like that. And it, you're just you're just multiplying the compute ability of that device, that piece of hardware, just exponentially. And and again, that number of a quarter mile stack of paper translated in a tenth of a second, it's kind of hard to grasp, isn't it? It's kind of hard yeah. to get your head around that fast of processing. Yeah, especially when we sit there and wait for our computer to, <laughs> to boot up, up and do everything else right. <laughs> All those things are improving, though. So was there anything else that sort of jumped out before we wrap up? I I. I think the other thing, and we talked about this a little bit beforehand, but it's the administrative capability. One of the things that kind of freaks people out about cloud when you start talking about cloud is loss of control. Uh, I heard it when I was in the Navy. I've heard it from other people I've interacted over the you know over the years talking about the cloud. People like to be able to see. People their, like to be able to see, touch, feel, have complete control. Exactly. They like to have that little keypad on the door that keeps everybody else out of their server room, for instance. But. In the, every session I've been in here at Ignite so far this week, and I don't expect this to change for the rest of the week, the administrative controls that they have built into the services that Microsoft gives the IT Pro, for instance, in OneDrive for Business, controlling how long a link can be shared, who can it be shared to, inside, outside of the organization. They are every feature that's available in a in a service, there's an IT Pro admin level switch to flip it on and off or to modify it. Yes, And I think IT pros love the fact that they get to maintain that control. And I think that's a common theme this week. Yeah, Because yeah. as you ask people to let go of the hardware side, 
they're going to realize there's cost savings in that. There's no doubt. Yeah. But as people realize that they still re- exercise full accountable control, I, I think that will allow people to start to let go of the hardware and start to trust the cloud as a service that they can use, but yet still exercise the control they want to as a company. Yeah, I think there's certainly uh, certainly a bit of work to be done there. Agreed, but, but yep. In terms of a bunch of the uh, the announcements, we're seeing uh, that control become yeah a whole lot better from a number of perspectives, and you know ultimately we'll end up with much more control yes. in cloud systems in varying respects than uh, than what we had for uh, you know for traditional systems on premise. Yeah, I, I don't think I've ever been in a session where somebody's talked about new features in a client or a service that somebody hasn't stood up and said. How can I control that? Mm. So I think Microsoft hears that. Microsoft mm. understands that. And like you said, I full as much as they're integrating security into their products and services, I think control for the IT pro, IT admin is also an important aspect for mm. them. Hey, that's great. Thank you very much for your time, Richard. Now, just remind people where they can track you down. Twitter's the, the best place. I'm Twitter saying. is the best place. Twitter yeah. is my home almost 24 hours a day. Okay. Um, at WinOBS, that's my Twitter handle, so you yeah. can catch me there. That that I am I'm monitoring Twitter on a very regular basis. But you can also catch my content and writing at winsupersite.com, which is Supersite for Windows. And I do do a weekly podcast as well called Observed Tech. If you go to observed.tech, right. uh, that will take you to my page and you can find my weekly. I, I do a 45-minute to an hour-long show kind of highlighting the headlines of the mm-hmm. week and, mm-hmm. and giving a little bit of insight and, and perspective on those. That's great. Oh, it's been uh, been much appreciated having your uh, your perspectives on Ignite. Thanks, Paul. I appreciate it. Excellent. Thanks, Richard. The New Zealand Tech Podcast, brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.